This is the Life Truth Network. Truth Exposed, Episode 38. Exposed, a feature of Quest for Truth where we take a deep dive into Scripture. Now located at life-truth.com. And now, here are your hosts, Keith Helsley and Nathan Caldwell. Hey, welcome everybody. This is your host, Keith, and it's time for another episode of Truth Exposed. Hey, we're looking at uh, John chapter 11. We're right in the middle of the account of Lazarus uh, being raised. We're not quite that far yet, and we probably won't get that far today. In fact, I think we're going to have to pinch it off. Uh, I would rather err on the side of keeping things short. Hey, I don't mind if I just spin my wheels on one verse for the whole time. But uh, I'm not trying to do a balance and give a, a section of... Uh, of a passage and, and try to sink our teeth in and, and dig deep and well uh, expose the, the truth that's hiding in there. Uh, I mean, this story reads so well. You don't, you could read it with no commentary. In fact, uh, don't uh, don't tell anybody. But uh, Nathan Caldwell was the preacher. And that's what he likes to do is just look out and preach it, brother. <laughs> okay, you can tell him because. <laughs> I know he's listening to this, even though he's not here in the uh, studio with me. And he knows it. He knows it. <laughs> but I like to dig in. I like to to really pick it apart and uh, see what we can find. Because sometimes you find some hidden gems in there. And sometimes you find that, wow, that's such a, a easy translation or transition from Greek to English. It's like, it needs some no commentary, which this one really kind of doesn't. Well, other than some cultural background and things. They, um, we do um, like to take a little bit of time to give a nod to our fellow podcasters out there on the Christian Podcast Community. We're located at christianpodcastcommunity.org, or, or you can type in .com. I think either way will work. Hey, but you, uh, there's a button on there where you can find all the podcasters. I think it's called, towards the bottom, it's called... Uh, I forgot what it's called, but there's a button <laughs> you can click on and see everybody. Uh, but they do have a, a, what's been posted lately right there on the very front page. Hey, check them out. There's like a, a good 40 people there. There's almost too many for me to keep up with anymore. But hey, there's a few that are there that we'll focus on right now. And they sound like this. Parenting isn't about us. In fact, parenting isn't even about our kids. Parenting is just one way Christian dads and moms are to worship God. So welcome to the Truth Love Parent Podcast, where we train dads and moms to give God the preeminence in their parenting. The good news is Striving for Eternity would love to come to your church to spend two days with your folks 
teaching them biblical hermeneutics. That's right, the art and science of interpreting scripture. The bad news is somebody attending might be really upset to discover Jeremiah 2911 should not be their life verse. To learn more, go to strivingforeternity.org to host a Bible interpretation made easy seminar in your area. Main topic. Uh, but we're going to be looking at a passage here in John 11, starting with verse 17. We are not going to go all the way to the end of the chapter, just like 59 verses. And we're not even going to make it to the end of this account with Lazarus. Uh, and I'll be breaking it in probably an odd spot. But I'd rather, of course, always go shorter on these and then longer and dig deeper than shallow which is tempting to do. It reads really well all by itself. Hey, let's review just a little bit. Um, we find Mary and Martha being mentioned here, and we find them also in Luke 10, 38 uh, to 42. Uh, we, we, they have an instance there where Jesus comes to visit, and in that case, well, let's see, uh, Mary is the good guy, and Martha is the... Mm, one that needs the lesson. Uh, but we'll find out regardless. Uh, in this case, uh, you'd say maybe Martha is the good guy and Mary is the one that needs, well, I won't say a lesson, but the, the, the encouragement. Well, they both do. Uh, but we find out that their characters are consistent. Uh, we'll maybe get more on that in a moment. Uh, we, uh, they also were possibly mentioned in uh, Matthew 26, 6 through 12, Mark 15, 3 through 9. Uh, I say possibly because I'm not sure it calls them by name, but it maybe makes a reference to them. Um, uh, but the point there apparently is Jesus was frequently a guest in her home. And uh, in this chapter, uh, he, they had sent for Jesus uh, and he delayed. We'll get more about that as we progress into our uh, verses. Um, the disciples seemed a little bit less than enthusiastic to uh, return to Jerusalem. Hey, if, he, if he's asleep, he'll get better, right? Uh, and, of course, uh, Thomas, uh, I think on a previous account, uh, Nathan made a comment that he may be feared for his life. Well, that's probably true. But any act of bravery it goes hand in hand with overcoming fearing for your life. So I don't count that against him or any of the disciples fearing for their life. But they did do a, a courageous thing by deciding to, well, let's go back. If we die with Jesus, we die with Jesus. <laughs> but they didn't. Uh, but that's how he uh, brings us up to this verse, a uh, set of verses in uh, John 11. Again, starting with 17. You will recall that the Lord Jesus delayed his coming to Bethany and the home of Martha and Mary and Lazarus, actually waiting for Lazarus to die. And now he's on the way there, and Thomas tells the other disciples, let us go, we may die with him. Then when Jesus came, he found that he had lain in the grave four days already. That's verse 17. This is from the uh, New American 
Standard Bible. And I think the version I'm reading from is the older one from 1975 or 7. I forget how the copyright breaks down, but it's somewhere in there. It's not the update or or the brand new one that just came out. Um, but just for reference, it's the NASB. Now, verse 17. Um, so when Jesus came, he found that he had already been in the tomb four days. Okay, Luke chapter 11, verse 17. Then when Jesus came, he found that he had laid in the grave four days. That was Lazarus that we had just recently, uh, last time, I think it was last month, we realized that uh, uh, Lazarus died. Now he's been in the grave for four days already. All right, let's comment on that because I'd rather, like I said, dig into it than spread it out. Um, what is there to find here? Well, let's look at this timeline. I've told we don't talk about timeline, and here it is. Uh, you have to remember that uh, wherever Jesus was, and we will find we actually know he was back across the Jordan where John the Baptist's ministry uh, was beginning, and they were baptizing people, which is a, a couple three days journey from uh, Jerusalem. But it took messengers two days to get there. Um, and about the time that they would have gotten there, Lazarus dies. And we know that because uh, previously Jesus uh, had told the disciples the euphemism, he sleepeth, <laughs> or you know, the King James language, he sleepeth. He, and they thought he, he fell asleep. What's wrong with that? But he says, no, no. Some man kept side of here and give it to us straight. He's dead. Uh, but he died around that time. But Jesus delayed about two days, and then he traveled two days. So that would give us, he'd been dead for four days. It took him two days, Lazarus died, delayed two days, two days travel. Got it. Uh, so, yeah, four days dead. So what might be any significance with that? Um, in Jewish tradition, uh, they allowed up to three days when someone died in case they were in a coma, in case they had a chance of reviving them. Um, now, honestly, even today, uh, Jews and other Middle Eastern traditions, if once you die, they, I don't even think they, they uh, embalm you. They, they get you in the ground within 24 hours. That's, that's the custom. It's not always done that way, I don't think. But that's the, their custom. But it has been known... Um, for them to you know, linger, because maybe the guy's in the coma three days, let's give Lazarus a chance. Well, that went in past, and now it's the fourth day. So let's uh, continue on to verse 18. Now, Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off. Now, Bethany was nigh into Jerusalem, about 15 furlongs off. Very frankly, I think I'd be able to make that trip by foot. I walked around that area. I didn't walk exactly from Bethany over to Jerusalem, but it would be a nice little walk, but not bad at all. Uh, King James, I think it's 15 furlongs, as if anyone knows what a furlong is today. But it's about two miles. So Jesus was about two days' journey away, but... Bethany is about two miles. That's an easy walk. Well, you think of it. You walk about a two-mile-an-hour pace, which is a pretty fair clip. You can get there an hour. 
That's a pretty good paved road. If you have a slow walk, and you walk about a mile an hour, it'll take you about a four-hour walk. Uh, so it's a pretty easy walk to get there. Uh, and so this is why the, the disciples were so afraid. We're going to be so close. Those Jews could get to us. And they were what? They kill them. They had stones in their hands. <laughs> Whenever they had left Jerusalem just a matter of less than a week earlier. Uh, or, or supposedly. It, it maybe could have been a little bit longer than that. But I, I doubt it. Um, anyway, um, um, now there, I do have a note. Bethany is about 20 miles away from Jesus' refuge in Perea. I don't know where that, the commentator got that name. It doesn't appear in John. Maybe it does other places. I don't know. Uh, but that that was the place where he is reported to have gone in John 10. It was a, oh, it's about a day's travel away. Okay, uh, from. Uh, Jerusalem, I guess. Um, let's see. Where am I at now? There we go. Uh, in John ten thirty nine forty, 40. Uh, therefore, they again were seeking to seize him, and they he eluded their grasp. Uh, in verse 40, And he went away again beyond the Jordan to the place where John was first baptizing, and he was staying there. Uh, so it doesn't say the name Perea. Again, I don't know where that name comes from. It just was in the, um, where did I find that? Expositor's Commentary. Um, Expositor's Bible Commentary. The John chat, uh, book on that, <laughs> of course. Um, moving on here, verse 19. And many of the Jews came to Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. And many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. Now, this has some meaning here uh, behind that. We, we, sometimes you have to read between the lines, but think about this. Let's, let's work through this. They were a highly connected family in the Jewish elite. Why do we know this? Because many Jews came to mourn. And... Uh, by saying many Jews came to war, that would mean the religious Jews, the people who actually were faithful, they believed, and they, uh, and, uh, they did the Jewish things not because it was religion, but because it meant something to them. Uh, they were well-loved because they had lots of family. You know, if you've ever been to a funeral and no one shows up, <laughs> how loved is that guy? I used to, when I was a kid, we had a cemetery that was just at the end of the block. And my brother and I would often... I'd be curious. We'd see a funeral procession come by. We'd count the cars. There were times there was only like the hearse and two cars falling behind. It's like, wow, that guy didn't have any friends. And then there's times he'd be like, whoa, there's this car. It's just strung out forever. And it'd be like a hundred or more cars in the procession. And you knew that person had a lot of people who knew and cared about them. And this is how this family was. They had a lot of family and friends. They, it was customary to have paid mourners. And maybe they did, but with all those people, maybe they didn't. But whether they did or not, the grieving would customarily go on for days. And, of course, it was well, on the fourth day. But if it took, if they, it doesn't say they did. But if they did wait for three days in case he was in a coma, then maybe they only planted him on that fourth day just before Jesus got there, or about that time. 
the, the, the grieving party was just getting ready to kick off. But anyway, let's continue on. Um, verse 20. And Martha, therefore, when she heard that Jesus was coming, went to meet him, but Mary stayed at the house. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him, but Mary sat still in the house. Okay, now here's why I say in this, in the previous case, it was Mary who was all about Jesus and meeting and greeting while Mary was, I'm sorry, while Martha was locked away in the kitchen, busy working. But here's the opposite. Mary is staying in the house uh, grieving rightly so and it's Martha who is the one who uh, runs to meet and greet with Jesus um, but um, again let's let's double check personality profile of Martha and Mary because they do match with those in Luke ten thirty eight to 42 uh, in Luke 10 let's start reading here uh, verse 38, now as they were traveling along, he entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Uh, 39, she had a sister called Mary who was seated at the Lord's feet, listening to his word. Verse 40, but Martha was distracted with all her preparations, and she came up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the serving alone? <laughs> Tell her to help me. Verse 41, the Lord answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and bothered about so many things. Uh, verse 42, but only one thing is necessary, for Mary has chosen the good part, which shall not be taken away from her. And so you can see, look at those personalities. You have uh, Martha, she's kind of aggressive, worried, bothered. She's a mature one, practical, logical now, she has work to do. She's practical. She's logical. She's got things planned out. She needs help. Uh, she's aggressive because she's going to march right out there and tell Jesus, make her do this. <laughs> and you see that a little bit in this passage, too. Mar Martha marches right out to meet Jesus and talk to him. Uh, well, uh, Mary is more quiet, contemplated, maybe a little flighty, immature, but she's... Um, content to drop matters just to be with Jesus. In, in the, the Luke passage, she she drops all the household chores just to be with Jesus. Now here, she's still in the house, but we'll see that she, she's the same way. Let's, uh, things go along, which we may or may not get to today, but let's find out how far we get. Um, but she seems to be, at least here, more quiet I'd say she's kind of a little flighty immature because she can be a little immature in that she's not helping Martha. Maybe a little flighty because she's willing to give up all the responsibilities and logic to just throw it all away and hang out with Jesus. Not that it's thrown away. It's for you know, hanging out with Jesus. Who wouldn't want to do that? Um, let's continue on. Uh, verse 21 Martha then said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if, if you had been here, now I'm paraphrasing a little bit just to keep my tongue from being tied. If you had been here, my brother had not died. 
Actually, she's rebuking him. Why didn't he come on? In other words, he delayed two days. And now she says, if you just only been here, my brother had not died. She reveals a wonderful faith, but also an impatience and a lack of bending to the will of God. Whereas I believe Mary, although she, I think, concurred with Martha in this, she was willing to sit at home. And this woman learned to sit at Jesus' feet. Now, she has a, a repressed faith. Now, what does that mean? Well, she had confidence in Jesus, but she felt a little let down and disappointed because, you know, they were hoping to <laughs> prevent something bad happening here. Uh, I have to say, I've, I can't count the times I'm, if, if I, it ha- happens in my life where you want something to happen or not happen. You pray about this, something did not happen or happen. And it goes down to the wire where uh, well recently uh, after a long battle with with the VA about things well, I'm not going to get into it here uh, and going back and forth and back and forth and representing the case and going into appeals and years and years and years go by it's like uh, you just want to give up and at one point I almost did give up but it, uh, it, it came down to the wire where suddenly it's like Wow, I know we could continue on. We've, we're pretty persistent and resilient people, and hey, it doesn't take a lot. We're adaptive and can get things done uh, and dig ourselves out of, oh, what's it were. Um, but finally, after all this time, uh, we got the good word that we finally won our case, and it relieved a lot of. Uh, mental and stress and financial stress and and uh, it's been and a long answer to prayers that involved a lot of people over the years uh, and prayer uh, whenever you think of the uh, the 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 Israelite children that got cast in the fiery furnace they didn't pray to be saved from it the fact is that if we die we die uh, we're not going to bow down to you. <laughs> and God didn't save them from it. They actually had to, I mean, you could say be die and go into it. They didn't really die. They were inside the furnace. It, it took being thrown in before they were pulled out. And here we have Lazarus being literally dying. But Mary's, or Martha's all, she says, if you had been here, this wouldn't have happened. And that's true. It's hard to contemplate why did you let this happen you're you're one of our friends you're welcome into our house you're you know, the lord uh and so she had the faith that she's like i said a little bit repressed she's trying to hold back feelings restrain herself and try to politely make sense out of it uh moving on verse 22 even now i know that whatever you ask of God, God will give to you. Now, we find in verse 22, But I know that even now, whatsoever thou wilt ask of God, God will give it thee. In other words, she has just a faint glimmer of faith that he can raise the dead. Now, he had raised the dead before. 
but even only a glimmer, you couldn't say that she had real faith. She said, I just know that whatsoever you ask of God. Now, this reminds me of when Jesus' very first miracle, turning the water into wine, uh, his mother Mary told the attendants, do whatever he says. She didn't know what he was going to do. She didn't know how Jesus was going to make the wedding feast better. But she knew if there was an answer, he could do it. He knew the answer. He knew the solution. He knew what to do to get to point A to point B. Martha does the same thing. Whatever you ask of God, whatever it takes, I know God is going to do it for you. Uh, so despite any disappointment, she held on to that faith. She was very confident that God had something good. But how do you turn this around? How do you, you didn't want your loved one to die, but now they are. How do you make that better? But she knew that whatever goodness that was in it, that Jesus is the God, that God is going to work through, whatever it may be. But sometimes that's the way we have to approach tragedies and setbacks in life. Uh, verse 23, Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Jesus said unto her, thy brother shall rise again. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> okay, that's a basic statement. It goes on. Let's stop right there. Uh, Jesus is telling her what he'll do. He's, he's, we know it. We've read the story. We know how this ends. She don't know. I mean, how would you know if people don't come back from the dead? It doesn't happen in, in the practical, physical world that we live in. But Jesus is saying, your brother will rise again. He's telling her exactly what he'll do. Uh, because, as I said, dead is dead. Uh, is, is this some kind of a euphemism, Jesus is saying? I'm trying to jump into the mindset of Martha here. <laughs> Uh, but let's go on verse 24 Martha said to him I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day let me pause right there Martha said unto him I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day now this woman believed in the resurrection she was a believer man there is faith there she didn't understand what Jesus was saying, but there is faith there. She, maybe more than a lot of people, knew what was going on, at least in the spiritual side of things. Because, of course, all the, well, all but many, especially of the, the minor prophets who, who prophesy about the last day, the Lord's coming on the last day, uh, the Pharisee. Uh, train of thought is you have an afterlife. There is a supernatural, and there is such a thing as you know being there uh, to witness this last day. If you're sad, you see, you just thought, eh, there's not an afterlife. Dead is dead. You're in the ground. Uh, oops, I didn't get to make to see it. I guess I'll never see it. I'm you no know, dead. Uh, but she is saying that uh, that she clearly does have this. Pharisaical, Pharisaical belief in the supernatural. She had a clear understanding that about this resurrection that happens 
on the final day, you know, by and by, high in the sky, down the road, general resurrection. Uh, but she was confident, of course, that Lazarus believed the same because she expected to see him resurrected on this final day. Uh, but Jesus is about to drop a bombshell. Let's find out. In verse 25, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and a life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. In verse 25, Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Let's unpack that a little bit. He didn't say, I'm in charge of resurrection, or I could orchestrate this thing, or I'm authorized to handle this. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. I am the life. I am the resurrection. He isn't just in charge of doing it. He embodies it. He himself is that. He has life in himself. So let's let that sink in. It's kind of mind-blowing. But those who believe in him, even if the body dies, you live spiritually. But wait, there's more. As we'll find out in verse 26 and everyone who lives and believes in me will never die do you believe this and whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die believe thou this and whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die and now he looks to the future and that the one that has trusted him shall never die believest thou this Okay, let's look at that. He says, everyone, not some, not a few, not the weak, not the strong, not the humble, not the elite, not those who accomplish some heroic task, everyone who lives and believes in him. So if you are alive, you're living and breathing, your heart's pounding, and you believe in him, then these are the ones who will live and never die. So, uh, Martha's question should be your question and my question. Do you believe in Jesus? Do you believe that as one of his believers that you will live and never die? Do you believe that even if your body dies, that he can and will resurrect you? Those are questions you internalize them. Answer. Do you believe that? Chapter 11, verse 26. How could Jesus say that we will never die when the Bible declares that all will eventually die? Uh, the problem, God himself said to Adam, In the day that you shall eat of it, you shall surely die. Genesis 2.17 NASB puts the full verse this way. But from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat from it, you will surely die. Paul reaffirmed this, declaring that through one man sin entered the world, and death 
through sin, and thus death spread through all men, because all sinned. Uh, this is found in Romans 5.12, and NESB puts it this way, Therefore, just as the one man's sin entered into the world, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men, because all sin. But Jesus seems to contradict this when he affirmed, Whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. John eleven twenty six. We'll look at the whole verse here one more time for an NASB. It says, And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Now, the solution. First of all, even taken literally, Jesus was not denying that believers would die. In fact, he affirmed it in the previous verse, saying, Though he may die, he shall live. In other words, Jesus claimed that because he was the resurrection and the life. In John 11.25, NASB, let's review that verse in full. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. He would resurrect those who believe in him unto eternal life. Uh, for example, in John 5:28 and 29 in NASB, do not marvel at this. For an hour is coming in which all who are in the tombs will hear his voice. Verse 29. And will come forth those who did the good deeds to a resurrection of life and those who commit evil deeds to a resurrection of judgment. And I'm slightly chuckling to myself because I'm trying to bite my tongue to comment. May just keep on going. Further, Jesus may have been speaking about spiritual life and spiritual death. In this sense, those who believe in him will have a spiritual life. Uh, John 3, 16 and verse 36. Uh, NASB, let's read those real quick. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Uh, verse 36 puts it this way. He who believes in the Son has eternal life, but he who does not obey the Son will not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. Wow. Uh, uh, going on here. Even though they will experience physical death, for those who are born only once will die twice, once physically and once again in the second death. Uh, Revelation 20.14, NASB. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire, uh, which is also known as the final separation from God. For those who are born twice, John chapter 3, verse 3 and 7. Here we go, NASB. Jesus answered and said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Verse 7, do not be amazed that I said to you, you must be born again. 
people will only die once physically, but will live with God forever. And that is the explanation. So clearly, uh, there is a physical death, whether you're a believer or not. If you're not a believer, the wrath of God abides on you. That's a scary thought. Um, but if you are a believer, uh, the wrath of God is removed from you. And uh, either way, whether you die in this world, you'll be resurrected. But you're uh, where you go <laughs> once you're resurrected to eternal life or eternal death. Wow, heavy stuff, but that's all we got for that challenge. Let's go on. Verse 27, she said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, even he who comes into the world. She saith unto him, Yea, Lord, I believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of God, which should come into the world. This was the testimony, you'll recall, of Simon Peter. And it's a very important testimony at this particular time. Uh, let's look at that real quick. Uh, Martha was emphatic about declaring her faith. It was a simple yes or no question, which she did say yes, but she further defined that her faith by calling him Lord. She called him Messiah. She called him the Son of God. She even referred to him as the one who was to come. And remember, when Jesus would be asked or approached about things, he would say things like, I am the one who came, uh, the the Father sent me, which, of course, in that passage, if I recall, is back in John 5, because before the, before the uh, feeding of the 5,000, that he refers to the dispatcher. It, it doesn't come across that way in English, but that's the Greek word. In the English Bibles, it puts Father in there. But it says, the, the dispatcher has sent to me. I am the sent one. He refers to himself that way. And so this is a concept, a teaching that was taught while he was still alive. And Mary, or I'm sorry, Martha, the wrong name, uh, Martha calls him that. She believes even that he is the one who is, is to come. And here he is. She believes these things. Um, now, I'm going to end there because I know it's kind of a rough spot to break it off at because she at this point uh, verse 28 when she said this she went away and called Mary her sister saying and from here it starts to focus on Mary and I think this is far enough to get for today um, because like I said I'd rather keep things short uh, but this reads so well by itself just without any commentary. Anyway, uh, yeah, this is a good spot to stop. Uh, you know, Martha is facing this dilemma of, you know, why didn't you come earlier? If you were here, those things wouldn't have happened. Uh, yes, I believe in the resurrection. I believe who you are, and I believe who you say you are, and I believe that in the end these will happen. So she's expressing her faith in the face of this hard time. And there's a payoff that's going to come. Keep on reading. Well, do I need, you don't need to have me read this to you. 
it, it reads so well. Just hop on it. Go go right from verse one right to verse fifty nine. I think it's fifty nine verses, and uh, it just uh, it, it needs almost no commentary. But hey, this is what we do. That truth exposed as we try to hop on and dig in and expose what's happening between the lines on this. Welcome to the Truth Be Known podcast, bringing you the objective truth boldly, candidly, and without apology. Welcome to this week's episode. Welcome back to another episode of the Truth Be Known podcast. I'm Nathaniel Jolly. And I am Eki Tepsapornshai. Well, guys, we have a we appreciate your time. Uh, We appreciate our listeners. And until next time, let the truth be known. The Truth Be Known podcast is a theologically driven, gospel-centered program serving the body of Christ by bringing biblical truth to bear on issues facing the church today. Subscribe to the Truth Be Known podcast by using the podcast app on your Apple or Android device or listen online at strivingforeternity.org in the podcast section. Looking for strategies that will help you engage in meaningful conversations with members of the Mormon Church? Well, if so, take a look at Sharing the Good News with Mormons, a new book produced by Harvest House Publishers and edited by Mormonism Research Ministries Eric Johnson and Sean McDowell. Sharing the Good News with Mormons includes 24 helpful essays from two dozen Christian apologists, scholars, and pastors. Pick up your copy at the Utah Lighthouse Bookstore or order directly from mrm.org. Commands of Christ, presented by Nathan Caldwell. When Jesus said, Go ye therefore, teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, and then teaching them to observe, um, well, of course, that mentions baptism, and I think that is a very important commandment, Keith. That was Commands of Christ, presented by Nathan Caldwell. Okay, okay, that is our show uh, for today. That's what we're going to focus on. I know, as I said, it's kind of a, a wonky place to end because it's right as the focus is shifting from uh, Martha to Mary. Uh, and it's kind of a, like I said, it's a, a rough spot because one flows into the other. And that's, that's the beauty of this entire chapter is it just flows and uh, but hey, we're we're doing study. We're not doing reading. In fact, if you want to do Bible reading, uh, did I play that promo? Maybe I did. I know I did last week. Uh, Squirrel Chatter Radio. Uh, they the guy there does uh, Bible reading. I like it. He likes he likes to say he needs to bite his tongue because it's so it tempted to comment comment on stuff. He pretty much reads it straight through from the LSB, and uh, he does some other things, the, theological readings as well. Uh, but anyway, yeah, squirrel chatter. This is pretty awesome. Anyway, uh, personal nod. That's all I really got. Hey, just like with uh, Martha and her family, when hard times come, uh, latch on to that faith. Tie yourself on to that anchor uh, of faith that you know the answer, but you don't know how to get from point A to point B. Well, Jesus does. It'll be more amazing than what you could imagine. It'll be a better orchestrated 
occurrence than what you can put together on your own. Uh, so with that in thought, this is uh, where I say this is your host, Keith, signing off, saying thanks for listening and tell a friend about us. And uh, leave us a rating review on any of your favorite podcast directories. Stop by the webpages, leave us a comment, send us an email. We'd love to hear from you what you think about the show. Uh, so with that said, we'll turn us over to our voice of the podcast, Anthony Russo, and he will tell you about all of our contact information that you were always going to know, but we're afraid to ask. Here he goes. Thanks for listening. Visit life-truth.com where you can find all our shows. Leave a message or call our voicemail number at 401-753-4844. Find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash life truth page. Follow us on Twitter at capital H, capital P, capital N, capital C, A-S-T. Everything Nathan Caldwell does can be found at facebook.com forward slash protectors of the book. Music in the show is used by permission of Kevin Zerby at zerbinator.wordpress.com. May the word of Christ dwell in you richly. May you find everything you need. And if you don't know Jesus, your greatest need is a savior. Thanks for listening.